With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. News Radio 840 WHAS welcomes you to Jim Strader Outdoors, the area's leading authority on hunting and fishing. Jim Strader Outdoors is brought to you by Mossy Oak Properties Hart Realty. For the outdoor home of your dreams, call Paul Thomas at 270-524-1980. Linden Animal Clinic, your pet's best friend. Sportsman's Taxidermy. Visit them at sportsmanstaxidermy.com. A.N. Roth Heating and Cooling, a family-owned business with over 100 years' experience in the Louisville area. Wildlife Habitat Solutions. Check Jim and his team on Facebook at Wildlife Habitat Solutions and S. My Marine, getting your boat back on the water in no time. To join in on the conversation, call us at 571-8484 inside Louisville and 1-800-444-8484 outside the metro. Now, sit back and relax and enjoy the next two hours of Jim Strader Outdoors on News Radio 840 WHAS. Got a shotgun, a rifle, and a four-wheel drive, and a country boy can survive. We can skin a buck and run a trot line, and a country boy can survive. Country folks can survive. Good evening, everyone. Jim Strader here, and man, do I have a fun program lined up for you folks tonight. Sitting here to my right is John Bowl. Most of you are very familiar with John. Uh, he's been in the Louisville market here for 32 years, and uh, of course, at Wave TV. And uh, he's the anchor and the troubleshooter. We're going to talk a little bit about that. It's kind of a, a passion we both share about investigative reporting because there's just not too many of us left quite frankly the drive-by media isn't real good at looking at things in depth to say the least but uh before we talk to john let me set uh, the stage with some things going on with the wildlife around the region it'll be brief because i want to get right on to things with john but uh the fishing activity is starting to pick up a good bit uh i've been fishing for hybrids and white bass at several of the lakes recently and they are starting to get in the jumps and they're getting shallow some of the lakes are starting to to uh, stratify and get a thermocline in them and that will continue to be a thing that forces fish to move shallow to feed shallow a lot of people don't realize this but about the time you get into august say from first week of august on you actually can get a lot more action at times shallow than you can deep because there just isn't any much oxygen below the thermocline. So that's something I want to pass along to you. A lot of people think, man, I got to troll deep or I got to fish really deep. Well, that's true with some lakes, but in a lot of the lakes, when they stratify, 
that's a, that's a different subject. I will say that when that starts, I seldom fish uh, any deeper than 15 feet. It's been my experience that 15 feet is kind of the magic number on stratification in lakes like Rough River, Barren, Nolan, uh, Cave Run. You know, I, I go through all through the list there, and uh, they all have that characteristic. Bass fishing has been a little better. The uh, shad are starting to gather. Uh, I've caught several really nice largemouth and some spotted bass mixed in with the whites and hybrids. They're running in, in schools chasing the bait that's now getting to a size to be attractive to them in those open water bays and areas. The, the fry, the shad, are really small for this time of year. I'm not sure exactly what to blame that on. It might be due to all the massive flooding we had in the early spring. At any rate, I, what I can tell you is the fish that they're spitting up are very, very small for this time of year. So I've actually uh, cut back on the size of my uh, presentations. I'm using a little at the biggest two-inch baits uh, to uh, fish for them. So I want to pass that along to you. I'm not saying you can't catch them on other stuff, but... Uh, when they're showing me that they're feeding on small, I go small. It's it's kind of a no-brainer for me. Catfish fishing is getting better and better. The blue cats have finished spawning and are approaching the end of that, and they're, again, working shallow. I got some buddies who've been catching some really big, nice blue cats in Taylorsville and, and other lakes around the region. Uh, two of the main ones are Cumberland, or excuse me, uh, uh, Barkley and, and Lake Cumberland. So I did want to mention them. Farm pond fishing is good, as it always is, this time of year forward. It's amazing to me how the fish seem to instinctively know that although it's hot and it's humid, we think we're in the middle of summer, they know it's actually approaching the zenith of summer. By the time you get to September, things change a bunch. So I did want to kind of give that roundup. Lots of guys are catching crappie at night. Uh, under lights and during the day on brush piles again in water that's anywhere from say 18 to 12 feet deep seems to be the magic depth there so uh, I'm going to go to break here and again coming back from break we're going to talk to John Bowl. he's a hero of mine for a lot of different reasons he's a very very avid fisherman uh, he's been here with me this afternoon we've been talking fishing like a couple of kids <laughs> and uh we're really excited about uh, sharing things with you. So stick with us. We'll be back right after this break. This break is presented by SMI Marine. They're located at 11400 Westport Road, just north of the Snyder. Go see them. They'll take great care of you. They're really, really effective at troubleshooting problems you may have with your boat and motor. And remember, you'll never get soaked by my friends at SMI. And we're back on Jim Strader Outdoors. And as promised... I've got John Bowl, who is, uh, he'll bless at this, a legendary television broadcaster. He's been here in the Louisville market for 50, 33 years now, which is, John, that's an incredible run. Well, pinch me. I'm on the Jim Strader show, first of all. That's, that's good <laughs> stuff. Uh, thank you. Um, yeah, I moved here in late 88, early 89. I got a boat like the next year, 1990, and it changed my life. Then I had kids. You know how that what happens then. Oh, yeah. Then I sold the boat and <laughs> just got one back. Well, you've had quite a run here. Incidentally, folks, uh, I'm even more ecstatic about having John here tonight because he just won his 99th 
Emmy. Congratulations, my man. Well, that thanks. is. Thank you very much. So when I say you're legendary, you've earned it. Well, thank you very much. But to tell you how important fishing is in my life, <laughs> knowing I had to go to Columbus, Ohio for the Emmy Awards last night, I still got off the air 1135 Friday night and went to Green River and fished all night and got home at 9 and a.m., slept two hours and went to Columbus, Ohio for the Emmys. So I still got my priorities, Jim. <laughs> well, you're a man after my own heart. That's right. So I can tell you. That's, that's what's important, not the Emmys. The, the wall, walleye is not Emmys. Okay? I hear you. I hear you. Now, uh, John, one of the reasons that I follow you and that I admire you is uh, not only your newscast stuff, but your investigative work. Mm -hmm. Because I do a good bit of that myself, as you're aware. Yep. Uh, my beat is fish and wildlife, and unfortunately, when you're exposing things that uh, don't seem to be quite kosher, you make some enemies, and that's that's frustrating. You know, it's it's, uh, but you do what you got to do. I think is the bottom line. But in your case, with the broad brush you've got, is the troubleshooter. You are such an asset to the community. Well, I don't you. know if you look at it that way. I mean, it's kind of your job, but I. I I find it rewarding that people say, hey, I'm glad you exposed that because I never would have known about it otherwise, and I'm glad I know. That's that's my satisfaction. Well, th thank you, first of all. And uh, this is what I said last night, actually, in my acceptance speech for the investigative reporter Emmy that I got. I, I, I get out there. Like, I'm out in a surveillance vehicle, for instance, sweating because you can't. You can't do undercover surveillance with the air conditioning on. You got to be like in the car down low outside a drug house with major weaponry in it. And I'm, I'm thinking, why am I doing this? Right. <laughs> like, but the reason why I'm doing it is because it's important to people because I got people calling me from these neighborhoods. This is like ruining their life and it's important to them. So that, that's why I go out and do these stories. And that's why all of us are doing these stories. And, and it is dangerous. And to be honest with you, my wife hates it. Because I guess it was 2009 or 10, uh, my wife came in the house one day um, after an investigative story I had aired, and, and she was crying. She was had left to take my daughter to school and came back, and she was crying because somebody had graffitied up with spray paint death threats all over my garage and all over half the house. Oh, my. And, uh, and we had to have 72-hour police uh, cover. And, uh, and I mean, to this day, it's like, it's, it's, this is a small community, like people oh, know yeah. where to find you. And so, yeah, I mean, I get scared sometimes, you know, but it's the bottom line is it's really, really important. Absolutely. It is for a fact. And that's, as I say, it's a asset to the community that's, we wouldn't have without you, honestly. I mean, you've done it so long, you do it so well that, uh. I'm really, really glad we got you here. I'll, just, I'll leave it. Today. Thank you very much, and I'll keep it up. Um, 99th award. What is that like? <laughs> I can't 99 Correct me if I'm wrong. You've won more Emmys than anybody in the nation. No, I, I was number one. There's a guy named Boyd Hooper in Minneapolis who has like 116, and there's a guy named Brendan Keefe who just passed me. He's at like 109. So I'm third, I think, in the country. I'm an old man, Jim. I'm just getting passed up by these young dudes, but I, I'm still on the podium. I hear you. I hear you. Well, let's talk about the important stuff. Yep. Let's, let's talk. start with fishing. Uh, much like myself, your father took you fishing at a very early age. Yep. Tell us a little bit about that. My dad is my hero, man. He, um, 
he worked in a power plant. He'd come home covered with coal dust or soot, but he, I had everything I ever wanted as a kid, everything. And my parents are both, you know, middle-class, but they, I had everything I wanted. And most importantly, I had, I, I got the, uh, the, the enjoyment of, of learning the outdoors, um, with my dad. My dad was real big on you work hard and then you go out and you, uh, not play hard, but you, you get out and you, you know, you enjoy yourself. And, um, so he, when I was just telling you earlier tonight that he, uh, when I was five, like he would put me in the back of the boat, he'd be out musky fishing and he'd put me in the back of the boat with a little Zebco and a little pinky and just catching panfish. Just, you know, the important thing with kids, as you know, actions, you got to catch fish. Yes, sir. You can't take them on and not catch fish. And he took me ice fishing. Um, he took me hunting, put me in, you know, hunter education course and, uh, did all the right stuff. And, but what's interesting, I tell a lot of people is I still remember, and I mentioned this on Kentucky field that he, uh, he pulled me aside one day because I had all this stuff going on. I was, we were fishing and hunting and I was in a Saturday morning bowling league and I was in swim team and all this stuff. And he said, you got a lot of stuff going on. Like we need to think about pairing this back a little bit. <laughs> and, and I knew where he was going. Yeah. He was wanting me to commit to more fishing. I see. And I, that's fine with me because that's what I wanted to do. Yeah. And uh, so I said, yeah, you're right. Let's do more fishing. And that's what we did. That's fantastic. Now you're from Beloit. Wisconsin. Yep. Um, and what were your primary species as you matured a little bit up there? That I fished for? Uh-huh. Uh, little Turtle Creek runs through Beloit, Wisconsin, and I immediately got into something I still do to this day, which I love, which is wading. Yes. I would wade and fish for smallmouth in Turtle Creek. And to this day, when I go back, and I go back a lot to Beloit, it's a six-and-a-half-hour drive because my dad's still there and my sister, um, I'll, I'll go to turtle creek to the same place that's, i used to fish when i was a kid that's cool and i'll catch smallmouth in the same eddies yes on the same bends off the same bridge and it's the greatest feeling in the world yes you know uh much like you i, I grew up fishing streams and ponds but i fish streams more than anything they're still my favorite uh, i fish rivers all over the united states and I just love that moving water and your ability to read it. If you, if you're, you know, uh, experienced, as you mentioned, looking for back eddies, cuts, any current breaks, you know, it's all, I guess it's so visual. That's the way I would describe it. It's visual. And it's a lot like hunting in that you're stalking. Exactly. And, uh, and, and it's a puzzle every time you go, whether you're talking a Creek or whether you're talking green river or whether you're talking Otter Creek in the winter, it's all a puzzle because every time you go, especially like a place like Green River or Cumberland River, you'll have different levels on the river. And so that means different things. That means you're going to have different break lines. That means you're going to have different eddies. You have different water clarity. You have, it's all a big puzzle to figure out. And so it's always new and different. Yes. So you're always being challenged. Absolutely. So, would you say that river fishing is like still your favorite? My favorite fishing of all time is green river fishing. Like really? it has passed everything, even musky fishing. If my, until I discovered green river, uh, my favorite fishing was probably Northern Wisconsin muskies. Okay. And, um, and there's still a place that I, that I, that I go to up there on the in Eagle river, a place called long Lake. 
that I still try to get up there once a year and musky fish. But um, I, I, I tell you, I've been to Canada. I, my uh, other place I love is fishing the Wisconsin River in, in the below the Wisconsin Dells Dam. And that place was fantastic in the fall. Every year it's great. Like Halloween week, it's the best. Rapala's offshore. Um, but once it, once I got into Green River, it's year round. It's, I mean, it'll change what you're, you know, what you're fishing for. Like the walleyes are pretty much done now on Green River, but that changed my life, man. Like that really? is what, I mean, have you seen some of the crazy stuff I do? Oh, Like yes. I do, <laughs> I'll go, I go every Friday night year round anyway, after the news and then sleep sometimes Saturday. But when the fishing's good, like May and June, I'll go Tuesday nights, a work weeknight and fish from 1.30 a.m. to like 6.30, get back at 8.30 in bed by 9, sleep till 1 and get right back up and go anchor the news, like four hours sleep. That's and people wild. are like, how do you do that? And I'm like, did you see the nine walleyes I got last night? Yeah. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm, and I'll do it again next well, Tuesday. It's, it's a passion. It, it keeps you energetic, keeps you young. You know, you mentioned Eagle River, Wisconsin. I've fished up there a good bit. I hunted up there a lot. Um, I used to go up there in the Minocqua area and then yep. branch out from there. You're probably very familiar yep. with that. And you're right, fishing up there is incredible. People brag a lot about Canada. And there's a lot of things about Canada that are probably unequal. But <laughs> if you're a decent fisherman, that area up there from there over into Minnesota, you know, I tell people all the time, there's a reason that Al Lindner and his group centered in Brainerd, Minnesota. <laughs> exactly. And he told me this story back when we were doing films together. I said, why in the world did you end up in Brainerd? He said, you look at Brainerd on a map. There are more huge multi-species lakes right around right Brainerd, Minnesota than yeah. anywhere in the country. Right and it's giant muskies, giant northern, giant yeah. walleye, giant smallies, you know, on and on. Yes. And, uh, the area that you're talking about, that Eagle River area where you used to fish, it's a sleeper. Well, it's funny because Jim Rome, the famous broadcaster Jim Rome, just, just on Instagram did this whole long thing saying, hey, everybody, I'm in Eagle River, Wisconsin. I found the greatest city in America. I sold my place in Montana. I bought a big home on the lake here. And and he's like, he's raving about Eagle River, Wisconsin. I'll be done. This is a multi, this is like a $10 million a year broadcaster, right? So if it's good enough for him, it's good enough for me. <laughs> Yeah, I, I hear that. So let me ask you this, and, and we got about two minutes here before the break. Your transition from a place that's that good, and it's very, very good. Then you move here, and then you got into it. We're going to talk about this a bunch coming back. Striper, small eye, small mouth. And what, what, give me a comparison. Have you felt very, very satisfied with the fishing here. I'm more satisfied with the fishing here after about the last five years. After I learned Otter Creek, I got turned on to Otter Creek. Can you believe I lived here like 30 years and didn't know about Otter Creek? Otter Creek, wintertime trout fishing. Harrods Creek, summertime bass fishing. And then Green River. So I I would rather be here, actually, than Wisconsin now. Now really? that I know these bodies of water. Yes, actually, yes. Well, one of the cool things about what we're talking about and this is the time of the year when I used to do it the most, you can stay cool. <laughs> you know, you're in the water. Yeah. You're in the you're water. In the water. <laughs> I know. I know. And, and on Lake Cumberland, down below the Wolf Creek Dam, like in July and August, it's like 50-degree water coming out of there. You're freezing cold. Yes, sir. And 
oh my, the trout nut place. Oh, and, and the, the walleyes, walleyes, yeah. And the giant sauger and yeah. the white bass. There's, that's that's a really, really interesting stream, to say the least. All right, folks, we got to go to break here. Coming back from break, we're going to talk to John more about his fishing travels and exploits. This break is presented by Paul Thomas. He is the broker at Mossy Oak Properties Heart Realty. All kind of outdoor properties, farms, vacation homes for sale. Check them out at mophartrealty.com. And we're back on Jim Strader Outdoors. Again, I'm talking to John Bowl, who is the anchor and troubleshooter over at Wave TV. Been here for 33 years. Time flies when you're having fun, doesn't it, buddy? It's really flying now. Like, really <laughs> going by fast now. That's that's amazing. That's and I was on with Van Vance, I told you earlier, last week, and, and we were talking about our longevity, and I've been with WHS for 40 years now, and it's like... A decade in my mind. Yeah, but you know what's funny is crazy. Like, I can remember like yesterday, the uh, one of the first TV segments I saw when I moved here, surface striper fishing on Cumberland, and it was you and Lindner and Tony Camposano was the guide, right? Yes, sir. Um, and I'm watching this thing, and luckily I, I videotaped it on old VHS tape, and uh, I'm like, honey, look at this. Like they're catching 20-pound stripers on the surface at night. And so shortly thereafter, I, I bought a book and I, and I read your column that you wrote about it too, but I had it, I watched it like, I watched the segment like three times, bought this, we bought a boat. It was a fish and ski, 115 outboard. And, um, you know how when you're young, like before you have kids, like you're, you're oh, just yeah. like, I had to buy something good. Two live wells. I don't even need that stuff. Great trolling motor. And, uh, so I go down there with my buddy and in mid mid to late May, and we got seventeen stripers. Really, like we killed them doing all the stuff you showed in the segment, right? So I, I owe you actually. That's, that's, <laughs> that's why I'm here tonight. No, um. So we're coming back to the boat landing. They're at Halcombs Landing, and uh, right when all the other guys are putting in, it's like sunrise. We're coming in from the night, and they're they're like, "So how'd you guys do?" And we're like, oh, "I got seventeen nice stripers." And they like chuckle, like think that we're embellishing or something. And then right at that moment, our our poles were hanging over the side of the boat as we eased in, and all the paint is knocked off our redfin lures, <laughs> and our knuckles are all bloody and busted up from battling fish. And we showed it to them, and they're like, "Okay, like uh, I believe you." You know, I, I tell you a funny story about that. Uh, I saw your uh, Kentucky Field Show with Chad Biles here recently. Yeah. It, it was excellent. Thank you. And you all were talking about the television curse? Yes. Okay. I've been through that a thousand times, have. okay? But I will tell you, on television, live, that day you're talking about was by far the zenith of anything I ever did. <laughs> because, as you remember, it was bad weather leading up to that. The stripers weren't really doing it. And I, everything just came together. The the front stalled. Uh, it stayed cloudy, so the fish stayed up shallow for yeah. a long time. And we were throwing those those red fins into jumps of fifteen to twenty pound stripers that were acres in size. Not yes, you know, not twenty five, thirty, forty fish. 
hundreds and hundreds of fish. It's the, the analogy I use. Um, I took my dad shortly thereafter down there for that. And he came all the way down here and we went down and we weren't, it, things weren't going really well. The, the alewives weren't coming up and it was not what, and then we got back in one of those coves and Jim, it was like a public swimming pool, man, of kids jumping in. Oh yeah. The sound of hundreds, like you say, of stripers and, any cast in any direction and you're on them and they hit like a locomotive. Absolutely. Like it's unlike anything you ever fish for. And it's, and you're fishing and you're using sense of sound, which is what's beautiful about it. Not yes, sense so. of sight. Yep. You're listening. And then of course feeling when they hit, but it's fantastic. It is fantastic. It's, it's kind of like, did you ever fish with jitterbugs at night for long time? Yeah. Yeah. Sneak in farm ponds at night. And yeah, <laughs> yeah. We used to do that as a kid. Yeah. Been, yeah. Done that. Yeah. It reminds me of that in its own way in that yes. it, it, it's strictly, as you say, you know, you hear that word, blah, 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 so you're, and you just keep reeling, blah, blah, until you feel it. But the difference is you're more on edge striper fishing because they're exploding left and right. Sometimes yes, so. you'll go a half hour and you can't understand because you're reeling your red fin right through these fish blowing it up, but they won't hit you. So you're, the whole time you're a nervous rack. Well, how would you compare stripers with other fish because i'm going to talk to you at length about your passion for muskies for example but stripers are something that a lot of folks around here fish for um talk about the species itself and how you like to fish for them. well they 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 fight harder um they're definitely they, yeah they're brutes and I, I have fished them you know outside of may when you're doing the surface thing i've done august 30 foot deep i've done uh, planer boards back in the creeks and uh, and all that, which I didn't enjoy, by the way. I didn't enjoy it. I have new respect for all the guides out there and all the anglers who can run three lines with planer boards, not get tangled up, not screw it up, not get snagged. Then you get a fish on. Then you, I mean, it, it was stress. It gets that's to like, be worse. That's too difficult for me. It right? gets to be worse. So, but I but I enjoyed it, and um, so, but I would rank them. I don't know. I striper fishing probably. I would rank it. Third, I'd go musky one, walleye two, striper, then then winter trout. Okay. And then probably stream largemouth and smallmouth. Okay. Creeks. Yeah. Yep. yep. Yeah. Well, that, that makes sense. They're a, they're a unique fish to me in a lot of ways. They are related to you. A lot of people did want them in our lakes. Yeah. Now, I'm going back to when Don McCormick was our fish and wildlife commissioner, which has been decades ago. And he and Charlie Bowers, who was the fisheries director, said, Jim, we want to put stripers in Lake Cumberland. We know it'll work. Um, they've had tremendous success over Santee Cooper. But the public is really not very receptive. And, you know, through your uh, columns and stuff, we would really enjoy it if you'd lay out some of the reasons that you think it would work. Do you think it would work? I said, I know it'll work because I know what happened at Santee Cooper. They said, oh, they're going to ruin the bass fishing. They're going to ruin the crappie fishing. No, they're not. They're pelagic fish that feed on on soft ray bait fish like shad and, and alewives. So I did a series of columns about it, and thank goodness I did because it helped turn things around. I mean, it, it was like people were opposed to it from lack of information. Yeah. It wasn't that they didn't like stripers. Does that make sense? Well, people just in their very nature don't like change. Well, that's a lot of it. That's, yeah. that's right. But I guess the real acid test on this is here we are, I don't know, 40 or 50 years down the road now, and the smallmouth fishing and, and spotted bass fishing, largemouth and Cumberland, it's good as it ever was. The best, I, I'm on the, uh, 
the Lake Cumberland fishing site on Facebook. It's the best I've ever seen it. Stuff I've seen so far this year, the best striper fishing that the guides are doing and the other people, and the best largemouth and smallmouth fishing I've ever seen on Cumberland. And right, I, right now. I do want to give credit while we're on that subject to the Kentucky Department of Fish and Wildlife Resources for putting those uh, size limits on, on the yep. smallies and the yep. largemouth because that's enabled those fish to stay in the lake longer, to mature, and, and you end up with more of them. Yeah. You know. And the guys know what they're doing, too. Like, fishermen are just smarter now. Oh, what are you talking about? Yeah. The technology that's yeah. available today. And this. You know, I've, I've had several of these uh, youngsters that, that uh, fish in college now, this, these college fishermen, and having them on the air with me and talking to them, it amazes me. Right. The knowledge they gain in a short period of time and how they're able to apply that to the biology of fish. Right. In other words, they're not just graphing them and then assuming it they they want to know what they're feeding on why how they relocate all those things that in the old days we had to learn the hard way (laughs) when i think about my childhood i remember vividly my dad opening up for christmas a lawrence basic depth finder remember the old green ones you You know pop up and he took it back to the store he took he refused to have a depth finder because that's cheating that's not old school and I'm, that's kind of ingrained into me. Like, I'm kind of that way, too. Well, I, I don't have one right now on my boat. I, I will tell you, I use that stuff. But I do have an overriding concern that as that technology keeps increasing, with the way it's opened up year-round pressure on our resource, that that we may have seen the best of it in terms of yeah. some of our fishing because – these fish, they become smarter. You know, pressure means something in fishing. Right. And and I, I've increasingly seen changes in fish patterns. And, and one of the areas of concern, obviously, is around spawn time. It's enabled folks to come in there. I, I never will forget the first time I watched a guy. I was bluegill fishing at Kentucky Lake. And I, you know, tic-tac-toed around and knew where bluegill beds were on those, on those gravel. Uh, flats and what have you. And this guy came up there with one of those uh, uh, side units. Dude, he just went around the bay one time, threw out a buoy here, there, there, there. I, went, I looked at my partner. I said, buddy, right there's the beginning of the end. <laughs> I'm just telling you. No, I know. I know. It's it's an issue. But I guess the good news is people are getting better at catching and releasing. That's uh, right. I, I know in northern Wisconsin, the muskie fishing is better than it's ever been because People are real devout now about catching and releasing. And you know me, I, I catch and release almost everything. I might keep walleyes once a year, uh, a couple, but I catch and release. And I know a lot of people that do. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm predominantly that way with a lot of the species, so I, I really get it. Let's go to a quick break here, folks. This break is presented by SMI Marine. They carry Starcraft pontoons and deck boats, Falcon bass boats, and they're the area's new low aluminum boat dealer. Uh I'm I'm currently in a in a low roughneck, which is their welded series, and I'm telling you, I absolutely love it. It is a multi-species fisherman's dream boat. Go see him, Tim Addington, and staff are special people. You leave there knowing you made some good friends, and remember, you never get soaked at SMI. And we're back on Jim Strader Outdoors again, talking to John Bowl, Wave TV. 
newscaster from way back when, 33 years in the saddle. John, uh, before break there, we were talking about the stripers. I want to continue on okay. with that. I'll tell you why. It's something that more of our folks ought to know about. And while we're talking about it, I might add another species in here, and that's hybrid stripers. Okay. Because they're one of my favorites. I don't know if you fool with them much, but in what we're getting ready to talk about, I want to expand a little bit and include them in it. And that is the night fishing farm when the alewives and the shad are spawning right. on the rock walls. Right. For folks that have never done it, basically, folks, what happens is these bait fish come up on these rock walls and they slap against each other. So the female drop her eggs and then, of course, the male uh, puts his sperm with it. And that's how they reproduce. And they'll travel hundreds of yards on these steep bluff walls. And when they're doing that, the predators, in a rapid escalation of activity, learn that they're doing that. And here they come. And it's, <laughs> you know, and, and you know, one thing we're not mentioning about it is it's one of the more difficult forms of fishing I've ever done because you're casting in the pitch black yes. to a shoreline and you do, you don't want to overthrow or you get hung up yet. You can't see really what you're casting at. You'll flip your line on every, every couple of casts to get your bearings. Where's a right. tree? Where's a, you know, but it's difficult to, to place the lure correctly because oftentimes, as you just described, they're right on the wall. Yes. Slamming up against there. Now, I want you to talk about how you do it, and then I'm going to talk a little bit about the, the hybrids. So, yeah, so um, so I, uh, I I do what pretty much everybody else does, which is I throw red fins. Um, and, and uh, you know, it, one thing we didn't mention is it all the factors have to kind of combine for this to work. It's got to be the right surface temperature and the right alewives coming up and all that. But once that happens and they're and you can hear them, you're you're pretty much listening for them to come up, and then you go you, and you get right over there and you get casting and uh, and I've I've tried to find a better lure than a redfin, and I've been in situations where I've been along these rock walls on Cumberland up by the dam and 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 they're surfacing and I can't get them on a redfin, so I'm like, hey, I'm a big time musky fisherman from Wisconsin, so I'll get up. I brought my stuff with me. I'll try these baits that really work up there, and I'm I'm throwing my tackle box at them i'm even using baits that i think are a lot like a red fin can't get them to hit and i always end up coming back to the red fin the red fin seems to work better the the only tip i guess i would give people is sometimes the smaller red fin the next size down from the big one is better and i don't really know why have you ever used the jordan one i've never used the jordan one. i just told you a mouthful partner okay <laughs> You try it and see okay. what I'm talking about. Okay. Well, it makes it's, sense. It swims easier. Yeah. It's got a little more kick in the tail. It's easier to work. Okay. If I had to describe it for the folks who never used a red fin, it's, it's a surface bait, but you don't really want to pull it down. You want it to just wigwag on top of the water, and that's what attracts them. But uh, that works well. Now, what I w- did want to mention, since you're the walleye guy, a walleye guy supreme, I might add. You catch more walleye on average than most anybody I know. That's a fact. Well, I got I got fifty one in seven trips here in May and June, and I did just about the same thing the previous year. So that's crazy. So I, well, I do catch walleye. That's a very admirable uh, success ratio, to say the least. Uh, but what I wanted to relate was some of my buddies use jerk baits at night, and and, and they use it's got to have a marabou tail on. Well, that makes and sense. And they'll throw them into that, and they catch the stripers and the walleye. Yeah. Oh, yes. 
that's the thing about the last 10 or 15 years of surface fishing at night is is the, all the walleyes you get absolutely and it's funny because the striper fishermen you know you'll two boats passing in the dark how you doing and they're like <laughs> one guy's like I, oh i got 14 oh wow i got seven walleyes and seven stripers and the way they're talking like they're kind of looking down on the walleyes and i'm like frothing at the mouth right you better believe and, it and so they kind of look down on it. But no, the walleyes slam those things at night, too. Yes, Same sir. time of year. Now, what I want to relate forward, so we're, you know, giving people tips here, is the same thing happens at lakes like Barron. Yes. With the shatter spawning for the big hybrids. I've gotten into hybrids on Barron. Have you? Yes, okay. I have. Once. And they're brute fish, as you yes. know. I and mean, they fight they, harder than oh, even, like, smallmouth. They're yeah. just crazy. And I use swim baits. Yep. And I use uh, spinners. Yeah, I uh, and twisters. Yeah, twisters. But twisters they, you can't. You, once you're into them, you want a bait that you can cover a lot of water fast with, like Absolutely. a spinner. So That's you want right. to be able to cover a lot of ground. That's right. And they're just, I really admire them. I, I've been fishing for them as I related at the start of the show. Time is now fishing in the right. jumps. Right. You know, we're just now edging into it. And it's going to get just better and better and better. And I love that. It's. You know, it's nerve-wracking, as you know, and I tend to call it chicken or feathers. <laughs> and the reason I say that is when it's good, it's really, really good. Oh, yeah. And when they won't come up or they're sporadic, it's frustrating. It's frustrating. But you always know that it could happen at any moment. Absolutely. And you remember the last time they came up, and it's enough to drive you forward. Absolutely. And I've had some really good days recently. So I did want to pass that along. All right, folks, we got to go to news break here. This break is presented by Paul Thomas. He's at Mossy Oak Properties, Hart Realty. Check them out. M-O-P-H-R-T, Realty.com. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.